morning. I just want to start with this. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth or your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And he goes on and he says that, For he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, that guy was it, was it John Newton? Who wrote Amazing Grace? Newton? What? Yeah, Newton, I think it was. Amazing Grace. And he says in that, in 10,000 years' time, we're still going to be praising him. And I tell you why, because we're just going to be starting to get a glimpse of the amazing grace of God that saved you. You know, Romans says that God demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we were his enemies. While we were using his name as a curse word, he died for us. God demonstrates his love for us. And you know what? Today we're going to be continuing talking about walking with God. And, and last week, I think we said, a, I rushed through a, a, a very broad overview of, of walking with God. And today, I just really felt to take a step back. And I want to look at principles of being led by God. In order to walk with God, we need, we need, to, we need to, to know those principles. And let's not just gloss over them. Because sometimes, you know, we, because we're familiar with the Scripture, we, it's so easy to gloss over it and not to get the truth of it, the fullness of it. There is just so much in the Word of God. It's so rich. And His love for you is so amazing. And what He has done for you is so incredible. And it doesn't stop there because the Bible is so clear that not only has He washed away your sins, given you a clean slate to start again, but He also has a purpose a purpose for your life. The Bible is clear. He has a purpose. You aren't just taking up oxygen. You aren't a waste of space. You, are, you, are, you were born for such a time of this as this. God, God said, the Bible says that God ordained the, the times and the boundaries of your dwelling place. God knew you'd be alive and here today without that white chalk mark around your body. You're alive, you've got breath in your body, and you're praising the Lord. So you're alive for a time like this, for this particular time. And you know what? How you live your life matters. There is a purpose for your life. There is a purpose in the kingdom of God for your life, for your life. And it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. Or, or, or how rich or poor or, or, or what your background is or where you're going to or where you've been to, it doesn't matter. There is a purpose for your life. And people, you know what, people are watching you. Whether it's your kids, they'll watch the way, they'll look at the way you dress, the, 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 the jokes that you laugh at, the company that you keep, the TV programs you watch. It's your colleagues at work, it's your, it's your, it's your family, whoever it is. People are watching you. Don't get paranoid on me now, right? But it's the truth. People are watching you. It's true. And you know, to some, 
2 Corinthians says that to some you are the fragrance of Christ. You, no, it doesn't say to some. It says you are the fragrance of Christ to those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And to some, you're the aroma of death. You, you smell. You smell to some people. To some, you are the aroma of death. But to others, you are the aroma of life, leading to life. But you're a sweet-smelling aroma to God, let me tell you. When you worship God this morning and when you praise God, your praises go to Him like a sweet-smelling sacrifice. God smells you and says, Ah, that's my child. That's my child. I see Christ in Him, in her. Oh, I'll tell you what, you are alive for a purpose. God has a purpose and a plan for your life and how you live it matters. And this was on my heart last week and it's still on my heart that, that the end doesn't justify the means. Regardless of what God has called us to, we can't just live our lives in any way knowing that, well, God's got our plan, got us. How we live our lives does matter. In Matthew 13, 31, 32, Jesus told this parable about the mustard seed. And you recall, he spoke about the mustard seed, and he said it's the smallest herb in the garden. He said, and yet when it's planted and grows, it becomes the biggest herb in the garden to the point that it becomes a tree. And the birds of the air come and find shade and shelter in its branches. That is you. It's not just you and being born again, but it is you as that mustard seed growing from a place where where you are first born again and the ways of the kingdom of God are foreign to us and we don't understand them and we don't know them. But we grow in our knowledge of God to a place that we ourselves grow up and we become that, that tree that can provide shade, provide protection from the heat of the day from others who are coming after us. That we grow to a place where we can ourselves go and disciple others and mentor others, where we can comfort them with the comfort which which, which which we have received from God as we live through life. That is a purpose of God in your life. You are an ambassador for Christ. You're an ambassador for Christ, reconciling men to him and how we live our lives matters. So there is purpose for your life in the kingdom of God. There's purpose for you. And God has plans for you. Jeremiah, we'll look at a couple of scriptures. Jeremiah 29, 11. We know it. God has plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you. God has plans for you to give you a future and a hope. There is a plan in God's kingdom and a purpose in God's kingdom for your life. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 tells us to run with endurance. Run with endurance. The race that is set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In order to run our race, we're going to need faith. Jesus is the author and perfecter of it, and we need to run it looking to him. But it's very definite that there is nevertheless a race. It is a race that is set for you to run. We're not competing with each other. We're not competing with the church down the road. We're competing with ourselves. We are to fulfill the call of God on our lives and to walk through life with him. And it says that to run with endurance, just a word, never, never try to force God's timing in things. God's timing is absolutely perfect, is absolutely spot on. You know, when he delivered the children of Israel from, from Egypt, it said after, was it 340 years? I get, I get, but yeah, and it says, on that, read it in Exodus, it says, it says that on that day, on the very day, God delivered them 
from Egypt. When the time was right, not one day longer did God leave them as slaves in Egypt, but he left them there long enough to grow from just the family of Joseph to become a great nation of a, of a million people under the protection of Pharaoh. But when the time was right, he delivered them on that very day. Wait on God's timing. Wait on God's timing. Don't try and force God's timing. We've done it before and got hurt. It doesn't work well. Wait on God. Trust God. Really, trust God. And you can look, yeah, look at Moses. Talk about, talk about the Exodus. Moses, 40 years on the backside of the wilderness, on the backside of the desert, before God called him. 40 years of preparation before God said, okay, now go and speak to Pharaoh to set my people free. Look at Abraham, called at the age of 75. It's never too late. It's never too late. Called at the age of 75. But he had to wait 25 years before he saw the fulfillment of the promise. Um, uh, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. Eh? One-tenth of his life was, to, was given to that ministry, but it took 30 years of preparation. You know, I know when we came to this country, hey, we came over in 1998. We, we came to this country believing that God had called us here to minister. 22 years later before the door opened to us. 22 years. But we just did whatever our hand found to do in the meantime. Whether it was hosting, running connect groups, teaching new life classes, cleaning toilets, whatever. Do what your hand finds to do. Be faithful and God will grow you. God is looking for faithful people. He's not looking for the talented God, God is the one that gives us the gifting anyway. But be faithful and be willing to wait on his timing. There is a race that is set before you. There is a calling and a purpose for your life. And you must run it with your eyes on Jesus, being led by him, being guided by him, and learning to walk with him every day through life. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship. We, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, what? For good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are created for good works that God has gone ahead of you and prepared for you. And I find this very interesting, the, 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 the phrase that he uses here. He doesn't say that God has prepared beforehand that you should accomplish. He says there's good works that God has prepared for you to walk in, not to accomplish. How you live your life matters. God wants you to walk with him every day of your life, to learn to live by conviction and not by preference, to learn to live with integrity, to learn to live by his principles and his word. This is God's plan for you. Who you are becoming is so much more important than anything you can accomplish. Romans Romans 8.29 says that you were predestined you were predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. There is one thing and one thing alone that you and I were predestined for, and that's to be conformed to his image, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. Do you know what? That says if Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, we're his little brothers and sisters. Jesus is our big brother, quite literally, according to the word of God. Jesus is your big brother. You can go to your big brother today, tonight, anytime you have need, and you can go to him and he will be there for you. He will help you through your life. Psalm 139, 
verse 16 and 17, 16 to 18 actually, says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written for me. Sorry. And in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Do you know what? You've got a history with God. You've got history with God that you know nothing about. God saw you while you were still unformed in your mother's womb, when you were still that little, whatever it is, embryo thing in your mother's womb. God saw you. And it says that he fashioned the days for you before one of them came to pass. It says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, there would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. It's like, is this a dream? Really? Does God think of me so much? I'm telling you what. We were singing that the song this morning. I, I, I'm chosen, not forsaken. I'm, I'm not forsaken. God, no matter what you're going through in life or what you've been through in life, God has never and will never forsake you. Jesus was forsaken once and for all at Calvary that you and I will never be forsaken again. God hasn't forgotten you. He knows you. He knows every hair on your head. He's got your postcode. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. He understands you. He understands you. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that awesome? God knows you, and he's got a purpose for your life. You're not Chabas by mistake. And he hasn't grown bored with you. He hasn't moved on to the next project just because you've been saved forever in a day doesn't mean he's now grown bored with you and he's gone on to the, new, on to the next new craze. God, God doesn't get bored. God is faithful to his very core, to his very being. It's who he is. God is faithful. He is faithful. He'll never leave you or forsake you. So, I never pressed the starter. I didn't at all. I'm kidding you not. Anyway, so we've still got 30 minutes. So let's keep going. So, the Bible clearly shows that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, right? For you, not just for our lives generally, but for your life individually. The Bible is clear. And we've got to be so careful to look at the evidence, to, look, to go back to the Word of God and look at the evidence and not look at our feelings or our circumstances or, or what people think or whether... Look at the evidence. God has a plan for your life as an individual, regardless of how young or old you are or anything in between. God is a plan and a purpose. And the Bible is also very clear that God will help us. He will guide and direct us into his purpose for our lives, into his purpose for your life. Isaiah 58, 11 says, The Lord will guide you continually. The Lord will guide you continually. He will satisfy your soul and drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Pardon me. Too much water. Psalm 32 verse 8 and 9 says, God speaking, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Don't be like the horse or like the mule which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they won't come near you. God says, he has a plan and a purpose for your life and he will instruct you and he will teach you and he will guide you how to get onto that perfect will for, 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 for your life. You know, we, we, we encounter so many unnecessary hurts in life by wandering off the path that God has set before us. 
by listening to our own feelings, our own needs, our own desires. And, 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 and we walk away and we, and we encounter many trials. We could, have, we could have, you know, if I look back on my life, there's just so much stuff I could have, uh, yeah, what a waste. I wasted so much time wandering around in the wilderness. It took the children of Israel 40 years to cross a 40, well, it was a 14-day journey or something silly, 11-day journey. Stay with the plan that God has for your life. And he says, and don't be like that horse or like the mule which have no understanding and must be harnessed. God will lead us and guide us if we're interested. You guys are, you're here today. I know you're interested. But we need to be interested. We need to, we need to be looking to him because if he's going to guard us with his eye, we've got to be watching him. We can't be looking out the door wishing we were at the beach. You know, we've got to be watching God. So to follow his leading means that we need to cooperate with him. God, God will never override your will. God will never override your will. That's called witchcraft. Witchcraft is all about overriding somebody else's will. God will never override your will. Never. He won't take that remote control out of your hand. He won't change the channel for you. He won't cause you, he won't force you to spend time in his word. As much as he wants to, and as much as he wants you, learning of him, being restored in your soul as you, as you meditate and feast on his word, he won't force you to do it. He will never force himself on you. So, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he will help you to find that plan and purpose. And I just want to go through this. There's seven guidelines yeah, that I just want to go through that um, God will use to help you find safety in determining his purpose and his call for your life. Right? It's really important that we never take one thing out of context by itself. Never, ever take anything out of context by itself. You know, even the devil, when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness, what did he do? He misquoted the word of God, Adam. What, the temptation, he said, you know, if you be the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. And he started to quote or misquote the word. He'll give his angels charge concerning to keep you in all your ways. So throw yourself off the temple. Even the devil comes around as an angel of light, misquoting the word, taking it out of context, and, and just bringing one thing by itself. Let everything be established but two or three witnesses, always, always, never, ever just take one thing by itself. We have, we, there was a time when we had provision and we thought, this is God. It just led to a whole lot of hurt, I tell you what, it was a mess. Never take one thing by itself. So, first one I want to talk about, inner conviction. One of seven, one of seven things. Now, you don't have to have them all together, but at least have two or three of them working together and make sure that you've got the green light at every stage. You're not getting any, any inside of you, no ambers, no reds, no stops. Make sure you've got the green light. But in a conviction, when it comes to receiving direction from God, we've got to be led from within. You've got to be led from within. Romans 8.16 says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And that's where it begins. That's where, that, where, where God witnesses with us at the deepest level inside of us. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls, the psalmist said. But God witnesses with us by the Spirit of God that you are a child of God. And from there on, he will witness with you as to which way to walk. And you will, it will bear witness with you. Or it won't. And you'll have an 
on the inside, like, like bathing with your socks on. You know, you can do it, but it's wrong. It just feels, eh, you don't want to do that. God will witness with you. He will, he, will, he will speak to you through his indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and witness with you on the, on the deepest level. In order to be led by God, you must have that inward witness. You must have the peace on the inside. So judge for yourself when you feel that you're being led in a direction. Judge for yourself. Are you being led from within? Jesus is the good shepherd. A shepherd leads his, his, his flock. Are you being led? Or is something else driving you? Do you feel pushed? Do you feel driven to make this decision, to take this step? Are you being led or is something else driving you? God will always lead you and there will be peace. Does it bear witness with you and bring peace? Or does it cause you anxiety? Does it cause you to feel uncomfortable and wrong? Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your heart. The Amplified says, let it rule as umpire in your heart. You know, cricket, umpire, when the umpire's decision is final, out is out. The umpire said so. If you've got that ink in your heart, stop, stop, stop. Don't go forward. Wait until you get the next word from God, but wait on him. But, Can we try this mic, Johnny? Is that better? When there is that witness, so I don't know what we had there, so I'll say, does it bear witness? Does it bear witness and bring peace, or does it cause anxiety? That's lovely. Thanks, Amy. Um, does it bear witness and bring peace, or does it cause anxiety? Um, let the peace of God rule in your heart, Colossians 3.15. And the, and the Amplified says that let the peace of God rule in your heart as umpire, and as we said, the umpire's decision is final, out is out. So if you've got that check, if you've got that, 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 that wrong feeling inside, stop, wait on God, shelve it, God will speak to you. When it does bear witness, when it does, when you do have peace about it, then when you take all these other guidelines together, together they will help to guard you and to protect you. There, there is security in, in, in God's ways and following God's counsels. Don't ever take one thing by itself. There, there, there is, like I was saying earlier, there is a whole world of hurt to be had as a child of God when we walk outside of the will of God. Stay in the perfect will of God. So, one of seven was in a conviction. Two of seven, provision. Provision. Simple. Where God guards, he provides. I'll never forget hearing the story of when we were back way back in the, we were still back in Joburg, and um, our pastor told us, this, the congregation, the story of this, there was a couple who were, who were well known to the church. They'd left before we joined. Um, the husband had a good job. The, they were a lovely family in school and thriving, and, um, but they got born again, and they got radically on fire for Jesus, and it was wonderful. Until the day the husband got this in his head that God was leading them to go down to the coast, to sell up everything, and to move to the coast and go and evangelize people down at the coast. And they sold, apparently they sold their house, they took the kids out of school, and the last that was heard of them, they were living in the car without a job, kids weren't in school, and you just think to yourself, where is God in that? 
How is God glorified in something like that? Let me tell you something. Where God guards, He provides. And we saw that in Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord, will, the Lord will guard you. The Lord will guard you continually. And He will satisfy your soul in drought. The Lord, no, even, in, even in a time of famine, God will satisfy your soul. He will strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters don't fail. Psalm 23, if you're not convinced, he leads you beside still waters. He leads you beside still waters. And it says later in the psalm, he says that he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Your cup runs over. God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. You know, we can go through times of lack and we can go through times of plenty. Paul said, I've learned to be content in all things. I've learned to suffer, suffer need and I've learned, and I've learned to, to abound. And all things, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God will provide for you though. You, might, you know what? We've come close to the bone many times. But praise God, we've never had to eat it. Yes. You know, God has always provided, no matter what. We can learn. <laughs> we can. We can learn to go through all things. So, inner conviction, provision, fruit. There's fruit, there should be fruit to stuff. When you've got enough to put together and you've got enough faith, and it's going to take faith, you're always going to have to take a step of faith. There will never be the writing on the wall. It's always going to be a step of faith. And when you've got enough faith to take a step out, make sure that you're constantly judging the fruit in it, the fruit in the thing. If there is bad fruit, Look, there, there might be a season where there is no fruit. It takes time for, for fruit to, to mature. It takes time for fruit to be developed and to come to maturity. But if there is bad fruit, stop. Absolutely stop. Don't go for it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Don't go for it. If the fruit is bad, if it's not producing what, uh, God's, what God's will and purposes, stop. I think one of the keys to this Keep Jesus at the center. Make Jesus, make walking with Jesus the center of your affection. Make him, make him the goal. Don't make the goal the goal. Do, do you know what I'm saying? If he's called you to, to whatever, don't make that the goal. Make walking with him to get there the goal. That way, that way, it's not a problem stopping. Because getting there was never the goal. Walking with Jesus to get there is the goal. And therefore, you can walk with him step by step and say, Lord, is it, am I making a mistake? Am I going in the right direction? You know what? Life and following Jesus is, consists of, 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 of making constant adjustments towards your, your due north. You know, Jesus is our, is our moral due north. He's our compass. He's our moral compass. And it's like a ship at sea. That ship doesn't just, just set course and sail. It, it's making constant adjustments to, 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 to cater with the, um, to compensate rather, for the tides and the winds. And so the ship is making constant adjust, adjustments on its course. Same with life. The winds of change hit us. Things change. Life circumstances come in. We want to be making constant adjustments, making sure we're walking towards what Jesus has for us. And in doing so, making sure we're walking with Jesus, doing it his way, applying his principles in our lives, not doing it our way. We're not doing it the old Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. No, no, I'm doing it God's way. There's one way, and that is God's way. How can two walk together unless there be an agreement? And you know what? God is not going to compromise his ways for my ways. I'm the one that needs to get into agreement with him. Amen. So, where were we? 
Yeah, be able. So, so make sure you set Jesus as the goal, not the goal as the goal, and you'll be able to stay open to correction. You'll be able to accept a no in the direction you're taking. Four or seven, circumstances or fleeces. Fleeces, you, you remember the story of Gideon, how he put out a fleece. Fleeces by themselves are without doubt the most dangerous of all of the, the, the methods that God will use to lead us. A fleece is a circumstance, and circumstances change all by themselves. The economy changed. Who saw, who saw COVID and lockdown coming? That changed everything in life. Um, the, the, the economy changes, the weather changes, circumstances change. So a fleece by itself is dangerous. And there is an enemy of the soul who might just go and, Lord, if this is you, open the door. He might open the door for you. Make sure you've got the other things working together. Do you have peace about it? Is there provision for it? You know, uh, we'll get onto godly counsel in a moment. Or a number of these things. The point is, is that you want to follow God's plan and purpose for your life, right? You want to find it. So, but do it safely. Do it securely. There's no rush. If it's God today, it's God tomorrow. And he will have no objection with you just pausing and saying, Lord, I'm not so sure about this. I've got these three things here. They're looking good. But this one here, not so much. He won't mind. He, he will honor that. He will still, he will, if it's him, he will still direct you and lead you. Maybe you just need to make an adjustment. Maybe you just missed it a little bit. But be careful when taking uh, fleeces as, as, as a sign, as a means. But you can do it, but use it together with other stuff, all right? And always, always check your heart first. Make sure you're not testing God. You know, we can all get to a place of being weary, of just being weary, not knowing what to do. And um, just be careful you're not putting God to the test. Lord, if it's you, then you do it. No, no, we follow God, all right? And don't take this as God without the other guidelines in place. Cool. Number five of seven, godly counsel. Godly counsel. There is safety in a multitude of counselors. Listen, none of us have arrived. None of us. Not, not you, not me, not Pastor Andy, not the Pope, right? None of us have arrived. We are all a work in progress. We are. Even the gifts of the Spirit are subject to interpretation by the human spirit. Even the gifts of the Spirit are subject to interpretation by our own spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 to 32. Now, this is talking about the, the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, we did the series on Sunday Night Local a little while ago. 1 Corinthians 14 is talking primarily about the, the, the gifts of prophecy and what have you. And he says in verse 29, Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. Let the others judge. When it comes to your life and God's plans and purposes for your life, allow other people to judge it. People you trust, be careful who you allow to speak into your life. For sure, absolutely, don't allow. I, I can't believe it. Some people, they, they, they won't talk to their own pastors or to their own elders or their own leaders in the church about decisions they're making. Instead, they'll put it onto Facebook and they'll get every Tom, Dick and Harry who doesn't care an iota about their life, who has got no skin in the game, who couldn't care about them, and they'll take their opinion instead. Now listen, be careful whose opinion you accept, but do get godly counsel because none of us have arrived. Allow others to judge what you feel is God because you will interpret it through your life, through who you are. Verse 31 says, now this is talking primarily about prophesying, right? But you can apply this to your life. This is a principle. It says in verse 31, that you can all, learn, that you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn 
and all may be encouraged. Isn't that awesome? You can learn to prophesy. You can learn to, to, to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Never be afraid to step out in the things of God. Once you've checked your motives and you've checked your heart, never be afraid to step out in the things of God. You can learn, but be willing to allow others to judge. And it says, because he says in verse 32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, it's subject to interpretation. What the prophet feels or what you feel as a child of God, that this is the spirit of God speaking through you, is subject to your own human spirit, is subject to who you are as a person. You will read things through the, the cutted lens of your life, your background, the way you see life. So you need to make sure that, be, that you are willing to allow others to judge what you believe is the leading of God in your life. And verse 32 says, for God, the second part of 32 says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the, as in all the churches of the saints. If the counsel you're receiving causes you confusion, <laughs> run away, back off. As I said, choose whose counsel you take. Don't allow every Tom, Dick, and Harry to speak into your life. You know what? There are people out there, I'm sorry to say, there are people out there today who have walked away from the church, setting up their own thing, running their own things, unsubmitted to anybody, who are so convincing. They are so, they're just lovely and charismatic and convincing. They will have you believing that it was, that it was blind Bartimaeus up the tree looking for Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus couldn't see anybody, he was blind, Right? But they are so convincing, they will have you believing it. And you will end up so confused. You'll end up in a ditch, not knowing which way is up. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Get godly counsel. Choose who you'll allow to speak into your life. Number six, God's word. This is probably, these are no particular order, and this is, but this has got to probably be the, the, the main one, really, I suppose. Because we've got to judge everything back according to the Word of God. The Word of God is our foundation. It's our clearest way of knowing God's will and principles and ways. John 16, 13, Jesus speaking, said, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He has, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. The, 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 the number one Fund of the, the number one thing of, of foundational truth, I don't know how to say that, <laughs> when, it, when, it, when it comes to God's guidance, is that God will never, ever violate His Word in, 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 his, in, in doing His will for your life. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, won't speak in His own authority. Don't, don't misunderstand. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit has all authority. He is he's the Spirit of God. He's not something else. He's not a mystical force. He's, he, he, he is the person of the Holy Spirit, right? He is God. But he does, even he, the Holy Spirit, doesn't speak on his own authority, just like Jesus didn't speak on his own authority. He only said the things the Father told him to say. Same with the Holy Spirit. He will always point you back to Jesus. He will always point you back to his word. He will never take you on a road that, he, that you can't go back to on his word and say, that is a principle in the word of God, and not just one thing by itself. Not just one thing by itself. Too many people want to just take, they've got one thing and they want to run with it. As to their own folly, I'm telling you, they end up in a ditch, they end up hurt. 
It's not the way God operates. You've got to allow that indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, the, 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 the promise of the Father Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, the promise who, who indwells us. You've got to allow Him to make the Word of God come alive to you when, you, when, when it's the, in, in this area of being led by, by God and by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. Allow the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to, to take that Scripture and change that, that Logos, that written Word of God, into the raiment, into the, into the, into the, 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 that living Word of God. When we left South Africa all those years ago, in 1995, we were in Bible college together, and uh, we were engaged, and Genesis, uh, Genesis 12 was just alive to us. It came alive to us, and it, was, and it was where God spoke to Abraham, and he said, leave your country, your father's house, and go to a land that I will show you. Not very clear, not very specific, but it was the start of a journey. That word was, was alive. And even when I hear somebody preaching it today, I hear it on the TV, I just, I happen to stumble across it when I'm just in my reading, whatever. Today, 25 years later, it's still alive to me. It's still alive to me. I'm not Abraham. I'm not the father of faith. But nevertheless, it's a principle. God quickened that to my spirit, and he got me looking to him and looking for direction. And from that point in time, we started going through all of these things, and we, had godly, we got godly counsel about it. We went and spoke to our pastor about it. How does this sit with you? This is what we feel. How does it sit with you? Do you have a check about it? Have you got any concerns? Do you think we're missing it? We, well, there was provision. We came over here on an LSD trip. That's a look-see and decide, just by the way. It's not, not acid, right? Look-see and decide. And I got a job, and they paid for my relocation. And, and, and you know, there was provision for us. There was... Um, I can't remember all the things. People came to us with words out of the blue, and they would just come and share words with us. Um, we, had a num- we, never, we never had a red light. We never had an amber. And it took a year, year and a half. And we waited and we waited until eventually we said, okay, that's it. We're going. And we up sticks and we came over. But God will speak to you through his word. You are born again. The Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you, and He will quicken His Word to you. He will quicken His Word and, and use that as, as, as a means to prompt you to, to, to look to Him, to look to Him, to see, look at His eyes, see what He's saying. Start getting counsel. God is starting a journey in your life. It's not necessarily the place that He starts, but for us it was. It could be, it could be with any one of these things that God would start the journey with you. But the thing is this, you never need to feel peace to do the Word of God. You never need to feel led to do the Word of God. God's Word is established. There is security. Just keep doing God's Word. Do what you know is right. Do the Word that you know. Don't worry about the Word that you don't know. There's so much in there. No, none of us know as we ought, right? There's so much in there that none of us can know at all. But do what you know to do. You don't need to feel peace about it. You don't need to feel led about it. You will be doing the will of God. It might be the, the big permissive will of God, not the specific perfect will of his life for, for your life, but you will, still be, you will still be dwelling in the secret place. You will still be abiding under the shadow of the Almighty just by doing his word. You will still be walking with him. When you do his word, you will be, doing his, you will be living by his ways. You will be walking by him. You will be under the shadow of his protection. So keep doing God's word. 
But allow him, when it comes to direction, allow him to quicken that, that logos. Allow him to make it alive. <clears throat> Pardon me. God's word, God and his word are one. Remember, a house divided will not stand. So God will never, ever violate his, his, his word. Um, and God's word is his counsel. God's word is his counsel. You know, Jesus spoke that, that, that uh, it wasn't a parable. Jesus said, to the, Jesus said to the people, let me put it that way, that the, when, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said, upon this, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, you understand that, 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 that gates never attacked anybody, right? Gates don't attack people. Gates hem us in. Gates prevent people. They control you. And you've got to look back to the Old Testament as well. Jesus is talking to Jews, right? And if you look at, look at your Old Testament, the gates of a city, he's talking about the gates of hell. Well, if you look at the gates of a city, that is where the elders of the city, the leaders and the nobles and the judges of the city would, would gather, and the people would come to them at the gates of the city, and they would give them counsel. They would pass judgments for them. Um, you can remember like Absalom, you know, he used to hang out at the gates of the city, and the men would come to him and he'd say, tell me, tell me what this wrong is, and let me, I will judge for you, and, and let me, I'll, I'll pass judgment for you. The, the gates of a city are referring to the council, are referring to council, the council. So Jesus is saying, the council of hell will not prevail against you, provided, provided you follow the council of heaven, provided you follow the council of the kingdom. The devil will always be out there trying to enable you <laughs> to misinterpret the word of God, to, to get you to take one scripture out of context, to go running off trying to prove you know, wanted Jesus to come down from the cross. They shouted at him, get down off the cross if you are the Christ. He was the Christ. But you just stay safe. You stay secure in the midst of two or three testimonies, or two or three witnesses, and allow the counsel of God to, to guard you. Psalm 73, 24 says, you will guard me with your counsel. With your counsel. Get the full counsel of God. Do you remember they used to have full gospel churches back in the day? I don't know if they still have them. Let's be a full gospel, a full council kind of people. You will guide me through counsel afterwards, receive me to glory. And number seven, Holy Spirit manifestations. Holy Spirit manifestations. God will lead you and guide you with manifestations, acts of the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts 2.15, um, Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit had come in and, and shaking them all as they sat in that upper room in one accord and they'd all started, they all started speaking in tongues and, and, the, and the people started saying what's wrong with these guys, this is amazing we hear them speak in our own language but others started mocking and saying no, no, they're drunk and, and so Peter stands up and he says no, these aren't drunk as you suppose since it's the, only the third other day but this is that but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour up my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And of my men servants and of my maid servants, I will pour up my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. God will use the manifestations of the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, prophecy, tongues and interpretation, whatever it takes, God will use, God has got many means, many ways of speaking into your life. It's like, I said last week, it's, it's like we've got this, like the pilot has his instrument panel 
in the aeroplane. We have got these instruments, this panel of things that we can look to. This isn't a, a, a fully inclusive list by any means whatsoever, but these are things that we can look at and we judge, like the pilot would judge the airspeed and the altitude and wada wada. We can use these things together to judge, to make sure that we are safely being led by God. None of them stand alone. Make sure we always seek the full counsel of God. And the key, the key, and I'm just going to repeat it again, let everything be done by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And I'm going to read Deuteronomy 19, verse 15. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every matter shall be established. Matthew 18, 16. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Guess what 2 Corinthians 13, 1 says? Well, actually it says, this is the third time I'm coming to you. But then he carries on and says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Repetition shows significance in the word of God. If, if you can find it repeated over and over, the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith, the just, the same with us. Let everything be established by two or three witnesses. Never take one thing out of context. God's leading in your life is not a crystal ball. God's leading in your life is about, it's day to day. It's decision by decision. It's every day. And it's a leading and a guidance based on relationship with him. Make, make him the thing that you're going towards. Not the, make him the goal, not the goal the goal. As a rule, and there are exceptions, but as a rule, he doesn't show you what lies ahead. He doesn't show you the details. He says, this is your, th th that's where I'm leading you to. And next week we're going to start, we'll, we'll look at how to walk with God between here and there, to walk in his ways, to walk with him as he teaches us his principles through his word and how we live by them. Psalm 119 verse 103, and I'm going to close with this. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. You know that word precepts, it's, it's a synonymous for guidelines. Through your guidelines or through your principles, I get understanding. Allow God's guidelines to keep you safe, to give you understanding. And he says in verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, as a light to my path. God doesn't shine a big spotlight ahead of us. He doesn't show us what's to come. He just points us in a direction. He says, now walk with me and be blameless, like he said to his servant Abraham. Amen.